Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus whom we serve, the greatest name that there is, the name of Jesus, that name is so superior, COVID-19 never had a chance. The virus that they're spreading, had to when it came, Jesus, our healer, was already present. The healing power of God is present. The miraculous power of God is present. We have been already inoculated with the, with the grace, the love, the power, and the faith of God to override all this. And we stand steadfast, unmovable. And Father, we're going to keep abounding in the work of the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being the greatest teacher there is the administrator of life and godliness, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible with me, there on, uh, and or whatever mechanism you're using, your phone, iPad, uh, computer, uh, and, and for those of you that are old school and you really have a Bible in your hand, uh, you can hold that up towards heaven with me and say, this is my Bible. Out of it proceed the issues of life. I can have what my Bible said I can have. I can go where my Bible said I can go. I can sing because my Bible told me to sing. I can raise my hand because the Bible told me to raise. I can assemble myself with other believers because the Bible told me to. Jesus is Lord. And amen. Praise God. Well, let's go through this for just a moment. Um, this, in this whole area, I wanted to deal with this particular subject, and that is Jesus, this is close, is the answer for the world today. Jesus is the answer to every situation, Jesus is the answer to what the world is going through and what the church may be facing, and that's called perilous times. When the Apostle Paul made that statement, we'll get to it in a moment, he was dealing with the church, and he told the church there would come perilous times. And so we got to be aware of that, and that's what toughens us up. If anything, listen close to me, for years and years and years, I've been preaching the gospel for moments like this so that we could stand steadfast and, and, and hold our ground. For years, we've heard the, the, the little uh, story, the parable, the scriptural account. Hey, there was a storm that came up, and two men built a house, one on rock, one on sand. Well, right now, ladies and gentlemen, is the time where the true grit gets down to it. Did you build your house on the rock, or was it on sand? It's right now showing up where you built your life, right now in the midst of all this. So we're either giving way to the false prophets of Channel 2, Channel 4, Channel 7, Channel 11, Channel 13, CNN, NBC, MSNBC, or anybody else that denies God. And you'll hear them say, God is not God, and God is in goodness. Any of those newscasters, they're liars, and they're from the pit of hell, and we believe the Bible to be true. And yes, I did say it, and I, and I support what I just said, and I back up what I said. Listen, we are living by the grace of God. This is what we believe right here. This is the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, let us say, in the middle of all this going on, may I remind you, before we go any further, of uh, the book of Acts, chapter 2. Remember the Bible said in Acts, chapter 2, verse 1, it said, and, and they were all in one place. 
and they were all praying in one place. And suddenly there came a sound of heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven of tongues as of fire. It sat upon each one of them, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Man, then later on when they got up and began to speak boldly, and Peter began to address along with the 120 that were there, he stood up and he said, and he said, this is that spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, now listen, Kath, the last days, he didn't say in times, he said the last days. So the, when did the last days begin? When the day of Pentecost got started. And we are, we've been facing the last days. And so we're in it. But he said this, in the last, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days. But prior to him saying that, Every unction, the fire of God, the, the power of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit, our bodies now became containers of the life of God. Paul said this, what know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost and that you are now indwelt by Almighty God? And Jesus made reference of it. He said, listen, it's expedient for you to go because if I do not go, then the Holy Ghost can't come or the Spirit of God can't come. And He is the Spirit of truth. There's only one truth. Truth is truth, man. You can't question truth. You can't get around truth. There's, you can't read between fine lines of truth. There is, it's so truth, it's so solid, there's no lines in it. The truth is, Jesus is Lord. The truth is, Jesus is the Messiah. The truth is, He's your healer. The truth is, He's your deliverer. The truth is, you're blessed. The truth is, you're the head. The truth is, you're above only and not beneath. The truth is, I don't care what the world says, Jesus said, I overcame the world. That is truth. And you can't back away from that. So the Holy Spirit came. And how do we boldly say that? With the indwelling of the Spirit of Almighty God. And so we have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of us. So in the midst of all the challenges going on, listen, you're hearing this uh, about wars. You're hearing rumors of wars, riots in the streets, protesters, which are really rioters. And, and it's a fancy word for rioters. You see, uh, 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 you know, procrastination is just a fancy word for lazy. And, and so you got to understand that. And so, you know, we, we've got to understand that. Well, that's not what I really meant to say is a fancy word for saying I lied. And so we got to realize protest is a, is a fancy word for rioting. And so we got rioters on our streets today. And uh, so you and I have to be steadfast. And where we fight and the violent, we, we, are the, we believers are those who become violent in faith. We stand on the word. We take a hold of the word of God and we pray and we seek the face of God and we change the course of this nation. Can I help you here? Do you know why they have not burned down California? Do you know why they haven't burned down every state? They want to. Do you know why they haven't been able to do it? Because you're here. You're the believers. Because we are the righteousness of Almighty God and the grace of God in us. And the words we say is causing a wall of defense against our nation. And we are praying in this end and we're standing steadfast. Oh man, I'm excited already. I preached myself happy already, man. I'm so excited. Now, so great news. In the middle of all the stuff that you're hearing, the scripture prophesied that there would be an outpouring, a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit that would come upon, the, listen to this, not the world, it would come on the church. Man, I'm excited, because you know what? I'm part of the church. Jesus said this, I'm going to build my church in Matthew's gospel. He said this, I'm going to build my church. Well, the only way to build it is by using people. 
He builds us. We're the building blocks of the church. If you're born again, if, listen, let me rephrase that. If you are Bible saved, meaning that you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, washed in the blood, and you've confessed your sins and acknowledged Jesus as Savior and Lord. If you are Bible saved, not just churchianity saved, I went to church, I guess I'm saved, or I was born into the church, I guess. No, you must believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Personally, you got to do that. If you are Bible saved, you're the church. Praise God for it. And because of it, you have the power and the authority to stand and withstand all the attacks of the enemy. So the Spirit of God is coming on the church in these last days to promote the end of the ages. And so we're, we're in it right now. We're, 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 the, we're the last stage of this whole thing. So let me, uh, let me help you. You ought to write this down. This is very important. What is the outpouring? If I'm going to recognize it right now, what is it? How do I recognize this? It is the visitation of God's power. It's the visitation of God's power. It's the visitation of authority overriding the authority trying to usurp over our nation. Fear is an authority. It's a power. But it has no power against us. No power against the church of the living God. No power. Now, so what is the outpouring? It's the visitation of God's power. And here's the results of it when it shows up. It results, the result in, in a massive last day harvest of souls. See, Instead of you covering your, ma- covering your face with a mask only, you should cover others' sins to win them for Jesus Christ. You should be going for the lost. Do you realize right now, ladies and gentlemen, the church of the living God, I'm talking to you, let me address you as pastor. Listen to me. Do you realize how many people, when you go to the market, when you go out and eat, when you go do what you do, how many people live in fear? And you have the opportunity to remove that fear with the name of Jesus. Man, right now people are open to praying. Can I pray with you? Can I bless you? Can I help you? Let me help you. The world is is no different than the church. All of us want to prosper. Man, when I see restaurants that are open and I see them uh, serving, I see these waiters and these waitresses serving, I give them a tip before I, I eat. I give them a tip before I eat. Yeah, I get into, into, a, into a line, and I, I'm like many of you, we get into a line, and we order our food uh, going through the drive-thru, and my food may be $20, $30 for food, for what, depending on what I'm eating, who I'm feeding, and I'll give them a $40 tip. Do you, do, you, do you know what they do? They light up, and then when you say, they go, are you sure? Sure, Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about you. Let me pray. Nobody has denied me. Who's going to deny somebody who just blessed them? You're not. I don't need to touch your hand. Listen close to me. Get closer to the window. In the name of Jesus. Oh, man. Plant the seed. Water the seed. God gets the harvest. Just do your part and watch what God does. There is right now going on, whether you realize it or not, CNN, none of the newscasters are going to tell you right now there is a massive uh, revival occurring in this world today. We have the opportunity to be promoters of that massive. The outpouring of the Spirit of God is upon us. Now, therefore, now watch this. This is very important. So I'm convinced that in the middle of all this, you got to keep your heart 
fixed, trusting in the Lord. You got to keep your heart fixed, focused. Don't let anything divert you. Do you remember the prophet? The, the prophet came in on the scene. And then when that prophet came in on the scene, uh, and there was two men with him, Elijah and Elisha. And, one, and, and he said, listen, if you see me, and I love this, when you, if you see me when I go, then, uh, 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 then you'll get your double portion. He asked, what can I give you? He goes, a double portion. He said, if you see me when I go, you'll have it. And so the man of God walked with them. And then he even said to him, why don't you stay in this city? I got to go. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying with you. He told him three times, well, why don't you stay here? No, no, no. As the Lord liveth, wherever you go, I'm going. As the Lord liveth, as the Lord liveth. Well, God can't die. I'm going, I'm with you. Then he made this statement, and he, he, he made this statement, well, then I'll give you a double portion. But you asked a hard thing, but if you see me when I go. So, and one of the journeys they go through, and here's what happened. The Bible said, out of heaven comes a chariot of fire. And it lit up, and the Bible said, split them asunder, King James Version. Or in other words, divided them and split them apart. Now, I don't know about you, the scripture does not give us any other reference that that ever happened before or after. Never. That was a one-time event for two men of God that happened, and nobody else saw it. Wasn't YouTube, there wasn't any other, nobody had that technology. We have it in Bible recording, but it split them asunder. Now you would think that the man, the prophet, it wasn't important to him. But the other man who wanted the double portion on this side made the statement, I heard him say, if I see him when he goes, I get it. I want that anointing so bad. I want what he had so bad. It is so much part of my life in the middle of this whole thing. In the middle of all the chaos, I'm walking with him. Those that hate him, hate me. Those that love him, love me. Those are challenges. When he eats, I eat. When, I, when he drinks, I drink. All that we're walking through the day. And no matter what we're going through, I'm staying with my man of God. And when he was gone, he split asunder. Now catch this. He did not watch the chariot. He watched his man of God. And when he watched the man of God, he watched him depart and he watched him leave. And then he yelled up, where's my mantle? And his cloak fell out. And he picked it up. And I love this. He took his own coat off and put that one on. As symbolic of, I saw you. This is the promise you gave me, man of God. This was the promise. Now, let's catch this. Up in the mountains were a bunch of prophets, sons of the prophets, watching this, laughing at him. Wondering what was wrong with this man. He didn't just leave his prayer. You know, he's, they all knew he was leaving by prophetic utterance. They knew it, but they wouldn't get close to either one of them. Now, here's, here's what got me about this whole thing. And this church, listen close to what I'm saying to you. Uh, this, that's why I'm so dear to uh, Brother Copeland and Brother Hagen and Charles Capps. And my man of God, uh, Jesse Duplantis. And that's why I, I, I yield to them and surrender to them. And, and uh, not, I don't surrender my life to them, but I surrender my, I know where, my, where I belong. I don't have a bunch of fathers in the faith. I don't have a bunch of preachers that I listen to. I listen to those who fed me. I remember Jerry Savelle made a statement, dance with the one who brung you. I know that's not proper English. But in other words, don't change partners in the midstream. And I've stayed that way. So, it's interesting to me that that prophet put on that cloak. He put it on. And once he put that cloak on, oh, man, you know what happened? 
that anointing came on him, and you would think that out of all those other sons of the prophets, they said, my God, did you see that chariot? Did you see what happened? He just dropped his coat. If he dropped his coat and picked up his, what would happen to one of us if we picked up his coat? And no one ran down there and picked it up. That lets you know that they were more interested in the crowd they ran with than the anointing of one man. If you really want the anointing, you can't associate with a crowd who only goes to church. you got to hang around those who know God's presence and have proven themselves and fought the good fight of faith. So fix your eyes on Jesus and don't break your focus. So you ought to be able to say, my heart, it's fixed. My heart is fixed. Trusting in the Lord. In the middle of all that's going on, my heart is so fixed. I won't waver. My heart is fixed. Oh, man. Now, go to, if you will, be to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. I picked this up. And let's look at this for just a moment. Paul the Apostle was writing to, 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 to Timothy. And he made a statement here in this verse of Scripture, chapter 3. Now, you've got to remember this, that in the original, there were no chapters, verses. There, were, there weren't any periods, commas, exclamation points. There wasn't any of that. Matter of fact, they weren't even talking in King James language. <laughs> they were speaking Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic and uh, the, channeling, the Chandelian language. So through this whole area of it, we have it now in King James. But notice the terminology that's said here. The Apostle Paul writes. Now, listen to me. In the uh, Acts, Peter made the statement that in the last days there'll be a great outpouring. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So the prophecy came to pass to counteract things, not just to fill you so you can pray in tongues. When you pray in the Spirit of God, you ought to do it daily. You ought to do it often. Matter of fact, I pray in tongues more than I pray in English. I'm not saying I don't pray in English, but I pray in tongues more than I pray in English. I cry because I'm constantly edifying building myself up, strengthening myself by praying in tongues. You have to, with the news of the world today, you got to feed yourself with your own news and then interpret what you say and encourage yourself. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul the uh, Apostle writes to Timothy, his son in the faith, and he says this, Know, this know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Perilous times are coming. Let me rephrase that and put it in, in a way that you would understand it from what Acts said. In the last days, there's going to become an outpouring of evil. They will try to shake the church. To sh try to shut the church down. When the outpouring of the Spirit of God came on the day of Pentecost, the church was born. In perilous times... The outpouring of evil is to close the church. In the outpouring of the Spirit of God, it gave birth to revelation knowledge. In the outpouring of perilous times, it feeds you with natural information, no revelation. In the outpouring of the Spirit of God, men stand up, men and women stand up and speak holy things in a holy time, by a holy God, to produce holy things. In perilous times, Satan uses unholy men, unyielded to God, immoral perverts, to stand up and speak unholy things, blasphemous things, 
to shut the church up. We, the church of the living God, must be bold and be strong in the hour that we're in right now. Amen. So having the service today, I'm not defying our governor. I'm defying the spirit of Antichrist. Got to be as bold as it is, man. I, if you tell me the church has to shut up, that's the spirit of Antichrist. That's not godly. I surrender to God. Listen to me. We're like the three Hebrew children, and then we're not. The three Hebrew children were thrown in the fiery furnace. Please get this. The three Hebrew children were thrown in the fiery furnace, and the fourth man showed up and walked with them. We're not like the three Hebrew children in the sense that the fourth man's walking with us. We are because sometimes in this hour we're thrown into fire. But we don't have a fourth man walking with us. We have the fourth man walking in us. And greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And the fire is not around us. The fire is in us. Did not our hearts burn when we heard him speak? (laughs) So, the last days, the last days, not the end times, the last days. The last days. The outpouring of the Spirit of God will command you to speak by the Spirit instead of solical reasoning. How you feel. Amen? Amen. I, I went someplace, they said, we need to take your temperature to see if you're hot. I am hot. I'm hot for Jesus. The nurse didn't know what to do with me. Anyway, take your temperature. I'm hot. We're hot for Jesus. I stay ablaze. Amen. The Bible said to either be hot or cold. If not, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. I can't stand the taste of lukewarmness. It, it, it makes me gag, the Spirit of God said. I will vomit you out. So I just choose to be hot, not cold. So in Jesus' name. So in these last days, perilous times shall come. So they're, they're coming. And, 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 and now listen, if he said that to Timothy then, Timothy faced him. And we're facing him. So I'm reiterating what was stated, and I'm telling you right now, perilous times are on us. Perilous times have been on us. People could have said during World War I, perilous times were on us. During World War II, perilous times are on us. They heard of wars and rumors of wars. People, you saw pictures of people with signs said the end times are coming. The end is dear. The end is dear. Because people, every time something dynamic that hits the world like this, they immediately, it's the end. It's the end. For us, listen, you can't scare us with death. Can't scare us. May I remind you, what happened? What happened to the people like a a John G. Lake who took foam, the foam off of people's mouth and said, here, now test it. And the the disease died in their hands. What happened to those those individuals who prayed prayers and whole communities fell out under the power of God because the prayer was so strong. How did the church become so weak? Uh, One reason is because, sadly to say, some preachers are weak. Their preachers are weak. You're looking at one right here. Uh, Amen. I want to let you know. Oh, no. Oh, no. I recall one day walking into uh, into into a mental institution. A friend. 
the parents called me and said, my, my son's in, in the mental institution. Now, he had had a demonic visitation. There was so strong, the whole house shook like an earthquake. His wall blew from inside out, in between the walls, blew out. And he saw what he said was the face of a demon talking to him. And it frightened him so much, it threw him on the floor, woke the family up, the whole house shook. Don't tell me demons aren't real. Don't tell me demons are real, they are. And so when, I, when they told me about it, Joanne and I, uh, we, we lived in, the, in, in uh, another city. We lived in the city down at the time. And, and we found out about it, and they talked talk to us. So I told Joanne, I must go. I said, we're going. Joanne goes, let's go. So we went, and we went into the mental institution. And uh, they, we told them we came to see the, my friend and who he was. They let us in. And, and, and when they let us in, I, I tell you what, stand this close. Joanne and I walked in. And we, we walked in, they opened up the door. All of these people that were marked as insane, psychopaths, were all in this one large room wandering around. Some of them bumping into walls, talking to themselves, hitting themselves. We walked in. They all stopped. And they turned and looked at us. Then they all formed a line and they stood there growling at us. And Joanne walked through this row of people and growling at us. Way off on the other end of the aisle was my friend with his back towards me, sitting in a chair facing the wall. And we had walked in. He didn't turn around. The only man that didn't turn around was the man I came to see. It would have been wonderful if he got up and ran to the AR. But he didn't. He stayed at the other end of the room. And that sounded like a long corridor. I grabbed Joanne. I said, stay with me, hold on to me, and don't look to the left or the right. Pay no attention to their growls. They can't affect us. And so we walked through, and they were reaching for us. And we never, never jerked. Never, we never once flinched. Greater is he that's in us. I walked to the end of that and grabbed him and knelt down, and I called him by name, and he looked up, and tears come in his eyes, and he held on to me. He goes, help me. Help me. And everybody else, all those, still screaming. I, I blocked them out. I blocked them out. And I, I even blocked my friend's voice out. I heard on the inside, get him out of here. Speak my name to him. So I did. He was having a perilous time. I wasn't. He was. Perilous times around us. I'm not having a perilous time. I'm not in peril. <laughs> I'm washed in the blood. I am saved. Goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. I run to the, I have the name of Jesus on my lips, in my heart, in my step, in my attitude. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And the name of the Lord is that strong tower, the righteous. That's me. Run into it and we're safe. Am I talking to anybody in here that's righteous? Am I talking to you? Are you the righteousness of God? You better shout amen. That name becomes a strong tower. Amen. When I got through with him, I led him to Jesus Christ, got him filled with the Holy Ghost. I left him my Bible. He was praying in tongues. We walk back down that aisle, they're still growling at us. They're still growling. Do you know not one person could say, help me, if they had it, I'd have stopped. I was there for one man. The scripture says Jesus went into the four, five porches and only one man he helped. I was there for one man. However, God's so merciful, had, he, had one person cried out, I'd have stopped. But I didn't. I was there for one purpose. I was on one assignment. So we walked out. And he was supposed to be, he was, he was uh, 
Uh, now listen to this. You know how he got there? He went to his priest for prayer. His priest said, he's insane. You'll never be able to help him. Uh, he's totally insane. Told parents, put him into a mental institution. They did. They signed him in, and uh, so they, they put him in there. He was supposed to be in there for two years under evaluation. They medicated him. And that's all they know what to do. And, and they, they put him in that chair. It was so sad to see my friend that way. And, and then about three weeks later, there was a knock on my door, and my friend was there. And he said, I went to my room, and I just held my Bible. I opened it up, and he told me what scriptures to read. He said, you didn't give me any other scriptures. So I read the same one over and over and over again. And he goes, and my mind got straight. And he said, and I could hear people screaming at my door. And he said, I've never seen this before, but some man that stood 14 feet stood in my room with me, protecting me. He goes, and then when I told people that, they thought I really was crazy. He goes, but they couldn't hold me. I passed every test. They let me go. They forced me out. They said, get out. They said I was torturing the other patients. <laughs> well, we tortured him, and he came with tears in his eyes. He goes, yeah, bring in your Bible back. I went and bought my own. Handed it to me. Praise God for it. And then I recall when he, uh, uh, about maybe eight years later when I ran into him, he goes, I'm married now, and I have two children. And he says, and I'm, I've been so happy. And he goes, so wonderful. And he had moved out, out of the area. Listen, listen, perilous times are around us, but you don't have to be in peril. The phrase, last days, as it relates to prophecy, uh, did you realize that the word last days is recorded in this particular setting seven times in the King James Version? Seven times. Let me give you scriptures so you can fact check me and look them up. Uh, Isaiah 2 uh, Isaiah chapter 2, uh, verse uh, 17. I'm only going to give them to you once. 2 Timothy uh, 3. Uh, and then uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, and then James 5, 3. 2 Peter 5, 3. And then Jesus mentioned it a few times in Matthew 24 and in, in Mark uh, 13. So let, let, let me just uh, recap as we get into this. The last days... Uh, perilous times. The word days means generations. Generations. And, and that literally means that different generations will face different challenges. Different generations, the, the generation, the age factor, different generations will face different challenges, not just in seasons, but and also dispensations, and also the church age. The church is facing different things uh, that, that we've never faced before. And, and so because of it, the generation, it means generations, Dispensation and church age for the, word, uh, for the word days. That's what it means. Generation, dispensation, and the church age. So we're living in generations. And so we have generations. Remember the Bible said there was a generation that knew God. There was a generation that knew about God. And then there was a generation that didn't know God. Do you remember that? And the whole reason is, this is very important you hear me. This is important why I do what I do right now. This is important why you and I as you know, serving the Lord, walking with Jesus Christ, not just pastoring the church, but walking with Jesus Christ. The years that I've been walking with Jesus Christ, I must give my testimony to my family. They need to know how good, whether they want to hear it or not. They need to know how God has supplied my needs. They need to know how God healed and how God delivered. They need to know the testimonies of how we walk by faith. They need to know these things. For some people, you know, I remember Brother Hagin used to tell 
uh, all of these, uh, not, they were not stories. Man, it, it bothered me when people used to say, Brother Hagin's telling those stories again. That bothered me. Those were accounts of his life walking by faith, indicators and roadmaps and landmarks that would help us continue our walk. They weren't stories made up. They weren't stories of a, uh, of, a, of a man who faced something and then got older and just babbled. No. Spoke by faith. And, and so, these, so we've got to tell our stories. What's your testimony? Do you remember the scripture in Revelations? We overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and by not loving our life even unto death. Don't, th- don't miss that one. Those three things, by the word of our testimony. Most people are not sharing what God's done for their life. Only you can tell your story. And only you can tell it with the emphasis. I didn't have that story of walking through a mental institution. I remember that. I could hear it. I could still see it in, my, in, my, in the memory of, my, of, of what happened. Only one time that that ever happened. Only one time. Had different times where this, where I recall where the first, where one of the first people had four raised from the dead in my lifetime, and I remember being out in the middle of the street, a car accident, and Joanne and I pulled over. We didn't have any children at that time, and Joel was not born, Brent wasn't born, and we were on our way to church, and the Evangel Temple on 183rd Street in the city of Artesia. Sadly, that church isn't there no more; they they knocked it down, and uh, uh, but we that's where we, and that's where I went to church in our city of Artesia. We were going to church. I went another way that I normally would go. And, and I saw uh, an accident. And there was a, wo- a little girl laying out in the middle of the street. Hit and run. Somebody hit her and ran. Left her in the middle of the street. When I got, to, I got parked my car, got out. Joanne was the only one standing in the corner. And, and, and I walked out. This is not a story. I witnessed this. I didn't know that much. I hadn't been to Bible school yet. Uh, I, I, hadn't, I, hadn't been to, I had not been to one convention. But I read the Bible. I had books. My first book that changed my life was my brother Copeland, The Troublemaker. First book that ever radically changed my life, I read it six times, stood in my living room, and I yelled. Why didn't anybody ever tell me this with tears in my eyes? Why was I lied to all these years that, say, that, that God was my problem? He's not my problem. He's my answer. I repented forever accusing God of being my problem. And then I held that book up. I said, God, if I ever have the opportunity to serve in Brother Copeland's ministry, I will. And I did that up until the time he left California with the West Coast Believers Convention. I served. I didn't commit to Brother Copeland anything. I committed to God. Because the words of life in that book changed me so much. I committed to the words of life. And then I committed to the author and the finisher of my faith who used that man to speak to me. And that's what drove me to enter out of my car, go into the middle of a street where a young girl was dying. And she died. And I had no natural thing to say, no nothing to do. And, and I didn't know. And then I felt the presence of two people with me. One at, 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 her, at, her, at her head and one, one by her, her legs. And when I, I saw that, I looked up, I saw these two individuals. And the one at her head looked at me and said, say this with me as loud as you can. And I did. I said exactly what that individual told me to say. I closed my eyes and word for word I spoke it. And I heard every bone snap in that little girl's body. Legs straightened up. Jesse, everything snapped back into place. The blood that was coming from her mouth stopped. It coagulated. 
The, the, the blood dripping from her ear coagulated, stopped, just dry blood. Her head that was twisted snapped back into place. I sat there and looked. She wasn't breathing when I got there. She's breathing now. She opened her eyes and looked at me. We now were eye to eye on this, and I looked up, and the two people that were standing there, that were kneeling down with us, were gone. I looked over at Joanna. I go, where'd those two men go? She goes, there was nobody there but you. I said, no, the two men that were right here. She goes, there were the two men. There was just you. By this time, there's a crowd. I said, no, Joanne, there was a man here, a man here. She goes, Art, there was, she yelled at me, you know, Joanne. Art, there was just you. And then it dawned on me, angels. And then a revelation hit me. My angel and her angel. Her angel gave me a command. My angel grabbed her by the legs and stared at me. And I recognized then I was never without my angels the rest of my life. My angel's with me now in this service. Ministering to me so that I could minister as an heir of salvation to heirs of salvation. And I got news for you. You didn't come by yourself. There's always room in your vehicle for your angel to sit with you, protect you, and guide you, and watch over you. You don't need a little statue of a saint. You are a saint, and your angel's with you. Times. What is the word time? The last day, the perilous times will come. What does that mean? Seasons, and seasons come, and they don't last forever. They don't last forever. Moments, a segment of time slot. Moments we come. You may have a challenge in five hours. It is so seemingly overwhelming. Six hours overwhelming. Twelve hours. But you got twelve hours to fix it by the grace of God. And remember this. Temporary moments come. And the word temporary is an indicator to you. It doesn't last. And it won't last. Amen. Do you know I was only 21 for one year? Then it became 22. I'm 66. I don't want to be 21 anymore. I don't want to be 22 anymore. I'm very, very satisfied with being 66. I don't have any regrets. I'm trying to go back. I don't look in the mirror and say, man, I wish I was, I was uh, 30 again. No, I don't. I was, I was, no, I don't know what I know now. I was pretty silly back then. <laughs> Let me give you a scripture out of Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. Uh, and eight, and it says this, and, 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 and in perilous times, listen to this, uh, I'm not sure if they have it on the screen or not, I don't know if I sent it to them or not, uh, listen to this, you were getting along so well, who has interfered with you that you would hold back from following the truth? Who interfered with you that you would hold back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he's the one who called you to freedom. In perilous times, God called you to freedom. You had to say, I'm free in Jesus' name. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Liberty and freedom are two different things. There are people that are in prison, incarcerated right now, that are born again, got born again, in, incarcerated. They can't come out of jail, but they're, but they're liberty. They're liberated. They're, they've got this liberty about them. Paul said, chain me up. Oh, oh, listen, King Agrippa, I wish you were like me, except without the chains. He was liberated. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I don't care what you go through. Well, the boss said that they may fire us or they may call, call furlough and we may not work and we don't know what's going to happen with the school districts and we don't know what's going to happen here and, and uh, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Wait, 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 wait. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Amen. 
You're so liberated that if you will just live in that liberty, you'll be like a magnet and attract the blessings of God to your house. Yeah. Somebody will hunt you down to bless you. Amen. Somebody will bless you. Amen. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Listen to this verse of Scripture. Now remember, perilous times have come. How do perilous times come? Most perilous moments will come through individuals who are in the church and carnal or outside the church and ungodly. And there's some people that go to church that are ungodly. Got to recognize, not everybody in the church that carries a Bible reads it. Amen? And so we've got, uh, and sad, sad to say, now, now watch this, verse 1. Now the Spirit, now the Holy Spirit, speaketh expressly. In other words, listen close. This is, uh, uh, in other words, he's saying, this is going to happen. I need you to wake up. Now, now, now for those of you that are watching me via live stream, listen close. And those of you who are in the auditorium, listen close. Paul wrote this to Timothy who wrote it to the church. So here's what he said. The Spirit speaketh expressly. Latter times, same time as last days, some shall depart from the faith. Didn't say depart from church, they depart from the faith. <clears throat> the reason that they'll leave a local assembly is that they drop their faith life. And it's no longer convenient for them. They'll go for the crowd moment. They'll follow friends. How come all those prophets stayed up in the mountains and none, not one of them went down and picked up that mantle? I want to be able to say that if I was one of those hanging up there, number one, I wish I was never up there with those guys. But if I was, I thought I'd be one of those ones that would run down and pick up that mantle. <clears throat> Being around the men and women of God, I, <laughs> one of the things I recall one time, I walked into a meeting one time, and uh, without getting into a whole lot of detail, I remember, uh, I, I think Ed and Sue were with us at the time, and there was a few others, that, uh, ministers that went with us. Uh, we, were, we went to Oklahoma. Dr. Dufresne, my spiritual father at the time, started a ministry in Oklahoma. And he was pastoring out there. He started a church. He was based out of, out of Oklahoma. And uh, he and, uh, and uh, Nancy Dufresne, Pastor Nancy now, at that time she was Nancy Dufresne. And uh, we, we came into the meeting. We walked into the building, walked in, and as soon as I saw it, Pastor Nancy was coming by. She looked at me and she goes, she goes, Pastor Art, come with me now. And I went into the office, and she said, we need some help. And she said, and I won't go into the whole account of what happened. They said, but all of our ministry help quit. We have nobody, no ushers. We have no children's department workers. We have no drivers. Our speakers are coming. Kenneth's coming. Billy Brims. Because she began to name a bunch of people. And she goes, we need your help. Would you organize this meeting and put it together? And I looked at her. I said, this meeting's going to start real soon. And Dr. DeVrane likes you like to start early. In the, would you please... I, I, I'm hating to ask this. Give me an extra 10 minutes and start late. Would you do that for me? He said, okay. I'd never been in that facility forever. There is an anointing on me for ministry helps. I am a servant of the Most High God. Have been for years. If you want to call me anything, call me a servant. That's what I am. I've never stopped serving, even as a minister. There, there are ministries of people that didn't even know I pastored because I never told them I was. Can I help? Sure. Then when they found out I was a pastor, they go, why did you ever tell us? Because it never came up and it wasn't important to this meeting. You need assistance. And so I went in, sat down on the platform on the, chair, on the step, looked at the church, 
And the Spirit of God came on, and the gifts of the Spirit went into operation. And I began, and I knew how many people came with me. And I said, they're all now. I walked out, I said, I now, I know you came for a meeting. You are now servants. I'm assigning you, to every one of you, to an assignment. And you'll do your assignment. You, 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 you're going to the children's ministry. You, 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 you're an usher. You, 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 you're driving. Ed was one of the drivers, and as well as an usher. And we had people down, and we began to do this. And I said, here's what's going to happen in the first service. Somebody's coming to disturb the meeting. This is a close ministry of helps. I know this to be fact. I, this is not a story. I saw this. And anybody who was in that meeting know it happened. I sat there, and I said, first row, right over here. Uh, no, the second row. Uh, I'm going to put an usher in front and an usher in the third row because the second row, a man's going to stand up right when Dr. Dufresne gets the platform and he's going to say, in the name of Jesus, I take dominion over this. Uh, this is a wrong spirit church and, and you've got to end it now. He's going to try to cause a disruption. As soon as he stands up, I want you to grab him. I went to Dr. Dufresne and I said, right when you get started, have everybody stand and raise their hand to heaven. In the ministry of helps, I've done that five times. Serving other ministries. Man. And so it's awesome. Man, I've got a lot of store accounts. Man. And it, am I right? Didn't that happen? The man stood up and started to scream. They immediately grabbed him, picked him over the chair, and ran him out of the building. Exactly what I said. But here's the interesting thing. I'm catching now. Brother Copeland's laying hands on people. I'm catching with one of the other. And he said, all pastors, ministers, get up. I'm on duty as a usher. So I'm catching. The, the last person, once they went down, I grabbed my suit and stood in line like this. <laughs> Brother Copeland looked at me, he goes, he looked down and he goes, <laughs> and so he prayed for me and a little shocked and a little bewildered. Why are, why are you doing all this? And then you're in line. He didn't know the story of what had happened. He, and I didn't, it wasn't important for me to tell anybody else. The only one that knew was Dr. Dufresne and, and Nancy Dufresne. It wasn't important for anybody, any of the other ministers to know why we were there, what we were doing. You understand? But now I'm telling you now because in this scripture, in the latter days, people will depart the faith. People quit. And people walked away. And they'll walk away from their, their, their man of God. Dr. Frey needed me. There was no question. See, a, 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 a question from him or a request of him was a command is how I heard it. It was a command. See, because command ye me. That's what the armor bearer said. That's what the armor bearer said to Jonathan. What do you want to do? Well, listen, I want to go take the army down. Okay. And he says, what do you think? He goes, I'm with you. Command ye me. That's, that's my life. Command ye me. So, listen. Give, now, here's how, here's how they depart from the faith. They give heed to seducing spirits. This nation has been seduced. Let me ask you a question. My personal opinion on this, this is where very rarely where I ever give this. How long would it take the Antichrist to control this world? The answer, in my personal opinion, 30 days. How long did, he t how long did it take everybody to put masks on and run in fear? Mm -hmm. How long did it take for this state to go to shutdown? Right. 30 days. How long is it still going on? Off and on. You can start back up. No, you can't. You can start back up. No, you can't. You can sing. Now you can't sing. 
As long as you're protesting, you're cool, you're fine. Don't worship. Don't worship. And we've been seduced. There's a seducing spirit out there. It's a, sedu- it's a seduction. And, this is, and it's no longer now the media or the government. People are fighting with people. You're not wearing a mask. And they use explicits on them. All kinds of cuss words. And they fight. And they film it. You can't say anything racially against one crowd, but then they'll go to a, to a woman who's Caucasian, you little Karen. How's that any different? Because in your heart, you're cussing. A man said one time, he goes, I don't cuss anymore. When I want to cuss, I use the word corn. I said, well, then in your heart, you're still cussing. You've just made your cuss word corn. Change it any way you want. A snake is a snake. Call it a bunny you, all you want. But, and, and it's not going to hop. And if you try to pet it and treat it for Easter, it'll bite you. It'll still snake. The seducing spirit is, is, has been roaming in our nation today. And it should not be in the church because we're the light of the world. And we've got, we got to stop it. Why? Stop giving heed to it. Giving heed to it. The seduction is, can't affect you unless you give heed to it. How? Hearing. Watching. Turn that junk off. Turn that stuff off, man. You don't need it. You, you know, don't be, and I understand, don't be blind and all this stuff, but they're doing, listen, the world's doing chaotic stuff. They're coming up scientifically with all kinds of stuff. You know, I was reading an article about biological breast milk, so women don't have to breastfeed anymore. <laughs> and, and, and you think it's, it's, uh, it's challenging. Cloning, when they start cloning, you know, all these different aspects of things are so important to us that we've got to realize you and I can't can't uh, um, uh, just live in uh, you know in this uh, how do I put it uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna read something to you if I may see if I can get this to you I apologize I'm looking down I realize somebody's saying. Yeah, that's the wrong one. I was going to read you how many people, besides the COVID, how many deaths have actually taken place? And yet we major on COVID. Do you know HIV is still here? Do you know AIDS is still here? Cancer is still here? All this stuff is still here? Most, most people worldwide died of the common flu more than they did COVID. They really did. And so all this stuff that's coming up, what we're facing right now, is a seduction to get us to stop and be still. You know, and then, listen, I like what Brother Jesse said. I told that to Joanne a few weeks ago. I said, they tell me that I'm supposed to be at a vulnerable age because I'm over 60. Oh, yeah, you're vulnerable. No, I'm not. They told me, some people told me, don't go to Pakistan and preach the gospel. They kill people there. <laughs> I know. I know. Marilyn Hickey was with us preaching the gospel. She said, I'm going to be going to Pakistan. And in me, I just raised my hand. Can I go? And I wanted to put my hand down and say, well, what was I thinking? It came up out of my spirit. Can, can I go? She goes, yes. And she goes, I'll help you raise the money right now. I need him to go. Let's raise the finances for Pastor Art to go. I thought there was a whole team going. No, there was just Marilyn and three people. I was one of them. And I became her, her bodyguard. <laughs> 
Jesus. But we can't give in to seducing spirits. And watch this. Listen close to this next statement. Doctrines of devils. Doctrines of devils don't come from the world. They come from the church. Doctrines of devils. And there are people with doctrines. And I said it before. I'm saying it right now. There's many people. I'm bold enough to say it. Well, let me, let me before I say that, let me make a statement. I, I really appreciate what Dr. Mark Barkley said one time. And uh, he and I were conversing. He preached it. His book, The Remnant, is awesome. You've got to read his book, uh, Sheep, Goats, and Wolves. That's a powerful book as well. Uh, You've got to read his book on how to relate to your pastor. Powerful book. Uh, but he made this statement that in the last days, here's that term, that in the last days, and we're in it. But he said it many years ago when I first met him. And, and uh, he was saying it then. He's saying it now. He said that in the last days, the highest commodity is going to be a, high, a righteous preacher. One that can't be bought, one that can't be caught, and one that won't be swayed. A righteous preacher. Amen. So right now, I'm clean living. I'm not a pervert. I'm not a pedophile. I know who I am. I'm not touching the unclean thing. I don't rake this church and steal from this church. Amen. I don't do that. I don't go through the finances and take what I want to take. I don't carry the checkbook. I don't carry. I don't even have the credit card for this church. I don't even have it. I don't even know the account number. I can't get into the account number because I don't know it. I don't know the password to get into it. Isn't that wild? I don't have it. I can't. So and and listen. I don't know what any of you give. So you don't influence me. So you don't impress me with your giving. I know what I give. That's it. I impress myself. And so, I, you know, because I know what I give. I watch God bless me. I watch what God does. I mean, it is so awesome to see this. So, but doctrines of devils, I won't give you one. Doctrines of devils come when people say, well, I think. Stop it. Well, I, my opinion, no. I, I qualified my opinion. My opinion of what I thought. But the righteous preacher stuff. And that's why I believe that there are more false pastors than there are false prophets in the world today. People who couldn't stick it out and last in a church started their own churches and then took the holy calling called pastor. God help us. And the hour we're at and they're preaching under a false mantle. So how can it be true? How could it be true? I had a man come to me one time and he said, he came to our church service and I knew him and I knew that he had left his ministry for his secretary and I knew this that he kicked his wife out of the church for his secretary I knew he did this and then uh, then all of us then a, a few months go by and he's sitting in our service by himself and I'm preaching the gospel and I'm preaching and then uh, he comes up to me he goes can we talk I said sure so I go to school to my office, went to my office, he sat down, he goes, I want to know if my wife and I can uh, come to church here. And I said, sure. I said, do you know where your wife is? He goes, well, she's at home. I said, no, your wife. I said, not the adulterous woman you're with. I said, I want to know where your wife is. He goes, well, she is my wife. I, we got married. I said, doesn't matter. You left your wife for an adult, and she left her husband for you, you little pervert. He goes, but God forgives me. Seriously. Let me ask you a question. Let's say that you owned a company and your company was worth 
let's say $100 million, and you had in capital, in liquidity, in the bank, you know, let's say you had $50 million in the bank, and I had the account number, and I went into your bank, and I took $50 million, went to LAX, and I was going to fly out and live off that, and I was going to go to, a, you know, to Mexico, or I was going to go somewhere and just live off the money. And you knew where I was staying. You called the police. They all came and they arrested me, took me in. And you sat across from me and you said to me, Art, I know you stole the money. You got my $50 million. Listen, I will not press charges. I'll forgive your charges if you give me back my money. And my statement to you is, I'll give you back. I want you to forgive me, but I'm not giving you back your money. And you said, if you don't give me the money, then you're not truly repentant. Yeah. And he goes, so what's going to happen? You're going to jail. I'm going to press charges. Exactly. So what makes you think that you're clean before God just because you put a ring on her finger when you put a ring on the other woman? And you had an affair with this your secretary for almost three and a half years. I said, you're unclean, man. I said, you want to clean it up? Forgive. Forgive, yeah. Repent to that woman, repent to your wife, and then live single or get back with your wife. <laughs> All of a sudden, you get white. I never saw him again. You see, this is how people are. And you know that he went to another church where that pastor left with his youth pastor's wife. And another man who's there who was a pastor of a church left his church with his secretary and then another pastor I know who left the church, for, left his wife for a member of their church. They were all now at another church in leadership. See, don't tell me that there aren't false preaching using this. But one thing they couldn't teach of was sin. You can't, you can't be in sin and teach against it. There are doctrines of devils today. And they're coming across. And so that's why you and I've got to listen. We got to, so as the day approaches, the Holy Spirit is with us. And uh, are you guys okay? Amen. I'm preaching pretty good. I'm just telling you the truth here. I didn't write the Bible, but I got to tell you this. I got to warn you. The Bible says even warn somebody with, to the point of fear. That means high reverence. There's two types of fear, you know, in Scripture. Two types of fear. One we yield to, one we don't. Fear of the enemy and reverence fear. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Amen. So we've got to, we've got, listen, I'm convinced you and I are not responding to the moral mess. You know why? Because we're extremely blessed and we know it. And I want a big shout of amen on that. So, so Jesus is the answer. Let me close with this one last verse. First John chapter five, verse 14. So when we pray and then we can say accurately, we pray, we say Jesus is the answer. Watch this. First John five, verse 14. This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. He heareth us. Now, I like how that's put in there. It's, it's a, a multiple. Not just my prayer, but everybody. Look at us. Confident we have. We have. It's in Him. We ask. He heareth us. We know that He hears us. Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we desire. Righteous people living in perilous times should unite 
and our prayers should be the force of agreement. So that we can say, we have, we've asked, he heareth us, we know he hears us, we, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, in perilous times, we have what God has given us. And we are filled with the Spirit of God. Amen. Praise God for it. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, I sure love you. Thank God for you. My name is Pastor Art Aragon, and I approve of this message. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.